Welcome to the King's Chapel, Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. If you've never had the privilege of being under the ministry of our global senior pastor, but Dr. Morocco has been my pastor for <laughs> a long time. And uh, I'm so blessed that you're here. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be in ministry. I wouldn't be married. I don't even think I'd be alive if it wasn't for you. Please put your hands together for Dr. James Morocco. Well, since I'm from Hawaii, you got to make me feel at home. Aloha. Aloha. Oh, boy. It's a joy to be with you in all the snow. Amen. Hey, remain standing. We're going to get into the Word, and I'm very thrilled about being able to be with you. I think it's probably been 20 years since I've been here on a Sunday morning. I can't recall when I came before, but Pastor Bracken said, you have to come. And when Pastor Bracken says, you have to do something, I obey. Amen. So. <laughs> Uh, he's an obedient servant of the Lord himself, so I'm very thrilled. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. While you're turning there, let me share what I'm going to talk about tonight. The Holy Spirit, about a month ago, said, I want you to do a series on the blessed family. And so I began a series on the blessed family, and I'm going to teach tonight session one. You don't want to miss it. It'll be transformational for you. You bring your family, the blessed family. How many want a blessed family? So be here tonight. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. Let's read it together. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being what? Like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, everybody say, therefore. therefore. God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, everybody say, therefore. My dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless. Everybody say blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor 
for nothing. Let us pray. Father, thank you for this great house. Thank you for what you're doing right here in Wasilla and throughout Alaska. I thank you that you've given each of us the privilege of being a part of it. I thank you for the vision that is burning brightly in the hearts of your people here tonight and today. So I'm asking you now, right here, right now, that you would use me to impart a truth that would set people free. Lord, you would do things in the lives of your people today that would change the course of history for them and for those who know them. I pray, oh God, for an anointing not only on them, that they'll have ears to hear and a heart to respond and eyes to see, but you'll anoint me that I might have great liberty in preaching and I might declare your word with power and you'll receive all the credit for it and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to share a Christmas message with you entitled, The Heart of God Revealed at Christmas. I don't know about you, but when you think of Christmas, what do you think of? Well, I remember as a boy, I remember very distinctly a time when I was very angry at Christmas because I didn't get what I wanted. And I don't know whether that's been your understanding of Christmas. So oftentimes, Christmas for many is just the receiving of gifts. But Christmas is more than the Christmas lights. It's more than even the stories that we share during Christmas, which are all very wonderful because they're pictures of how God works in our world. But I'll tell you what Christmas is. Christmas is God stepping into time and space to give us life. Everybody say life. John writes in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And understanding that Christmas is God's life at work in our darkened world, we begin to realize what Christmas really is. Christmas is nothing other than the revealing of Jesus in our world. And that's what Paul talks about here in Philippians chapter 2. That's Christmas. The awesomeness of Christmas is in who Jesus is. He is God, as we see in verse 6, who being in very nature God. In fact, it goes on to say he did not take advantage of being equal with God. He did not hold on to it. He did not grasp it. There's an interesting Greek word there, and it's, it's the person trying to grasp something. Jesus was willingly yearning to so minister life to us that he was willing to leave heaven and come to this darkened world. In fact, Paul goes on in verse 7 is that he poured himself out. He emptied himself and took the position of a slave, God becoming a slave. That whole transaction is so deep and mysterious that Paul begins to tell us something here in one word. Paul uses the word likeness, made in human likeness. That, that Greek word is homotoma. And what's interesting about that word and why Paul uses it is because he's saying that in becoming human, Jesus Christ did not cease to be fully God. He lived a fully human life. 
yet he was fully God. Now, think about the temptation of Satan on Jesus. Fascinating when you study it. If you be the Son of God, turn these rocks to bread. Now, Jesus is, has been fasting 40 days. He's moving into starvation, which takes place at that time. Everything in his body is crying out for food. If you be the Son of God, turn to... Now, stop for a moment. Why didn't he do that? He was fully God. But you have to understand, he did not come in the power of God. He came in the power as a human being under the unction of the Holy Ghost. He was not going to use his divinity to save himself. He came to save us. And every temptation of the enemy is exactly the same. Oh, you got wealth, use it for yourself. Oh, you're good looking, use it for your influence. Oh, you got a position of power, oh, use it for yourself. No. We will use it for the glory and the honor of our God. And you will notice that Jesus, fully God, was fully man. And he was dependent on the Holy Ghost just as we are. The Bible tells us he had the Holy Spirit without measure. And you'll notice when he healed, there's an interesting passage. The Spirit of the Lord was present to heal. He operated in the gifts of the Spirit just as he desires all of us to operate in. It's mind-boggling to me is that he who was fully God yet fully man operated in his humanity under the unction of the Holy Ghost just as he desires us to do. Greater things shall ye do. But the awesomeness of Christmas is not in who Jesus is alone. It is in what he came to do. In verse 8, you'll notice that he fully obeyed the will of the Father. Even to the point he died on a cross. Oh, the shock, the humiliation, becoming a sacrifice for sin. The righteous one dying as a criminal. You say, why would he have to die as a criminal? Because we're all criminals. We've all rebelled against God. And it was in his righteousness that he now could die in our place for our sin as criminals. That's why the Bible says our righteousness is like filthy rags in God's sight. The holiness of God is so holy. It's, like, it's so silly when people say, well, I'm more good than I'm bad. God doesn't grade in a curve. He grades by his self. And he's, he's holy. And we're not. We desperately, desperately need forgiveness. The awesomeness of Christmas is in what he came to do. And as a result, he is exalted to the highest degree. And Paul writes it 
as Lord, as Lord. Now, you may not fully understand that word. The word in the Greek is the word kurios. I've shared it before, and I may have even shared it here. One of the things I had to learn in my graduate degrees was Greek and Hebrew, and I, I had one of my most embarrassing moments in my Hebrew class because the professor would make you read the Hebrew Bible. He'd hand you a passage. You had to stand up, and you had to read it. So you spent all day, all night, just memorizing Hebrew words so that you could read it, and I'll never forget. He hands me the Bible. He says, read it. So I'm reading in Hebrew. And I come to a word, and it was the most embarrassing moment because I came to this word I couldn't pronounce. And, I, and, and it went like this. I'm reading in Hebrew, and all of a sudden I go, <laughs> and everybody laughed. Well, the reason why I couldn't pronounce it is because it's unpronounceable. It's four consonants, Y-H-W-H. There's no vowels there as we would know in English. The reason it's there is because you're not supposed to pronounce it. It is the name of God. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. So they pull it out of the Bible. They give you four consonants. And you're supposed to say Adonai when you see those four consonants. Adonai, which is the Hebrew word for Lord, which in the Greek is kurios. He said, well, I thought the name of God was Yahweh. Yeah, that's because some scholars put an A and an, and an E. So somebody said, well, I thought it was Jehovah. Yeah, that's because they put an E and an O. We don't know. I got the secret name for God. No, you don't. The point of the matter is, is that when Jesus, when Jesus is called Lord here by Paul, the apostle, this is heavy duty. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is God. Now look at the picture. God emptying himself, becoming a slave, now God. That's why his name is power. The name of Jesus. That name was spoken in time and space here on this planet. That name has power to cast out demons. That name has power to heal the sick. That name has power to bring protection to your life. The name, come on, somebody say the name. Somebody say the name. Pastor, you're getting awful excited. Well, I'm here with Pastor Bracken. I have to... <laughs> He's always excited. But the awesomeness of Christmas is not just who Jesus is and how he came, excuse me, and why he came. But the awesomeness of Christmas is in how he came. I want you to think about this. He didn't come as an accident. God clearly spoke that he was going to come. He spoke through theophanies. You know what a theophany is? Theophany is an appearance of God in time and space. It's a pre-incarnate appearance. The incarnation means God became flesh. It's a pre-incarnate revelation of God. You say, you mean, you mean that God appeared 
In the Old Testament, yes, he did. He appeared to Abraham in Genesis 18. The actual word there is Elohim. It's God. This isn't, this isn't an angel here. This is God. Elohim. He told Sarah she was going to have a son. He told Abraham how he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham argued with God, got him down to a number that Abraham thought there were that many righteous people. He was mistaken, there weren't. You'll notice there in Genesis 32 that Jacob wrestled with God. That's why it's called Peniel. He saw the face of God, he said. He wrestled with God. Now, who in the world was that? It was Jesus. You say, well, how do you know that? Because Jesus in John 8 said to the religious leaders, he said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. They said, you're not even 50 years old. He said, before Abraham was born, I am. He said, he was the very God that spoke to Moses at the burning bush and revealed himself as the I am. He was the God who spoke to Abraham face to face. He was the one who wrestled with Jacob face to face. It was God saying, I'm coming. Even the tabernacle and the temple years ago, I, every, every year and a half, we take a trip to Israel. We weren't able to go this last year because of COVID, but we're going to go in October. And one of the trips to Israel, we went to Jordan. And as we were driving out through the wilderness back to Israel, we stopped at a place where they had the exact replica of the tabernacle. And a Messianic Jewish guide went through every piece of that tabernacle and every single piece reflected Jesus. The temple itself reflected Jesus. That's why John would say in John chapter 1, and the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. The tabernacle and the temple was saying, God was saying, I'm coming to dwell with you. The prophecies of the Old Testament, 300 of them, all spoke of Jesus' coming by prophets a thousand years before he came. At the beginning of time, when God told Eve that her seed would bruise Satan's head. The fact that God allowed his son to be born in a manger. Oh my, oh my. It shares God's heart. That God came to all mankind, the lowest of the lowest. He could, have, he could have been born in the fanciest palace ever built. But no, he was born in a manger. No one could ever come to God and say, you don't know how I feel. Give me a break, just slap yourself. He knew rejection, he knew pain, he knew grief, he knew everything. He was born in a manger, give me a break. his mindset and he came and how he came and why he came and who he is he came for us to be redeemed and saved he came to destroy the works of the devil he came to rebuild what we lost at the garden 
We were made in the image of God, but that image was marred the moment Adam and Eve sinned. And he came to renew the image of God in us that we would reflect his image in the world. So Paul then goes on and tells us what that's all about. What the heart of God is as it's lived out in our life. How he wants us to be. And I want you to write down five things that I gave you in the notes. And here it is. The first thing is be humble. Turn to your neighbor and say, be humble. Some of you need to say it a little louder to your neighbor. Be humble. On three, one, two, three. Putting the needs of others ahead of our needs. You say, well, how, how, how do we demonstrate humility? Well, it's found there in verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Now listen, I'm all for ambition. I, I, I want my pastors to be ambitious, but not ambitious for self-serving, ambitious for the kingdom of God. I don't like lazy bums. I slap them. We ain't doing that here. You ain't doing your job, you're out of here. Well, I'm volunteering. Well, who are you working for? I said, who are you working for? You're working for Jesus. You think he's going to tolerate some lazy bum? Am I talking to the right crowd here? The pastor, I, I've learned to hang loose. Go hang loose somewhere else. We're here to work for Jesus. Be ambitious, but be it for the kingdom, not for yourself. Not so that the accolades come to you, but the accolades come to the Lord. He goes on to say, do nothing out of vain conceit. Oh, you know, I've been in the ministry over 50 years now. I've heard everything you can ever hear. Oh, Pastor, I want to do what you're doing. Great. I had a guy come to me one time. It was, he said, Pastor, he said, I want to be your friend. I said, great. I'm glad. He said, then, I'll tell you how you can be my friend. You do everything I'm doing. I want you at 530 in the morning to be at prayer meeting every day. I want you to do a life group. I want you to, by the time I got finished, I don't think he wanted to be my friend anymore. <laughs> I, I, I'm not one to just hang out. Let's do something together for the kingdom. Are you still with me here? It's not for your name to be in lights. Oh, I'm the friend of the pastor. Give me a break. Nothing from vain conceit. It's not a matter of our name gets in lights. I'll tell you something about KC. It's been this way for over 40 years. We, we like to live under the radar. I have friends. Boy, I mean, anything they do, it's broadcast around the world. They're the greatest things in sliced bread. And we just kind of... Mm, You say, well, what if God wants to exalt you? That's his problem. And that's the third thing. Let God exalt you. I said, let God exalt you. That brings me to the second thing. First was what? Be humble. Everybody say, be humble. Be humble. 
The second is be obedient to God's will. Are you still with me here? You know, it's interesting to me that one of the most important things you could ever teach a child is how to obey. Because if they don't obey you as parents, they'll never obey God. Sometimes you'll be graced with a strong-willed child. I've had, I've had some. I had three and one of them, oh, Jesus, help us, was strong-willed. I mean... I still go, <laughs> but we had, to, we had to do everything in our power to make that one molded into obedience to our will. In fact, I remember a time where, as my kids grew up, they tried to rebel against me. One of them did. Just one. I won't tell you which one. Uh, yes, I will. <laughs> Josh was about 17. <laughs> Big boy. I said, Josh, you are going to obey me. And I will fight you till I die. Because if you win, you lose. You will obey me. He got a spank it at 17. <laughs> Don't tell him I told you. Don't tell him I told you. You say, you mean you did? If I don't win, they lose. Are you hearing me? My three kids are the greatest kids on the planet. They love God. They love me. We hugged. Never forget, Josh and I were flying to Molokai, and he was sitting next to me on that little air Molokai flight, and I had my arms around him, hugging him. And when we got off the plane, Josh turned to me and said, Dad, he said, did you hear what those guys said in the back? I said, no, what did they say? They said, boy, I wish I had a dad that loved me like that. You know how you raise good kids? You teach them obedience, and you love them like no kid's ever been loved. There's people that want obedience, but they don't love. Our family are huggy bodies. I'm 71. They're in their 40s. We all hug, and we're unembarrassed about it. You say, why are you teaching this? Because I'm here one time. I'm praying that all of you will be obedient to God's will. And that your children will be as well. Are you still with me? Everybody say obedience. obedience. Thirdly, walk in agreement. You'll notice in verses 1 to 2, it's very interesting that Paul says, he says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Like-minded. Do you know what that means? The actual word there is phoneo in the Greek language. Now, now here's what's interesting to me. It, it doesn't mean we don't have our opinions. We all have our opinions. But there's some opinions 
that it doesn't really matter much. Did you know there's been church splits over the carpet of the the color of the carpet? I, I'm not kidding you. There was one church when the new pastor came in, he moved the organ from over here to over there. That was a sacred organ. It hadn't moved for 50 years. He moved it over there. There was a church split over an organ being moved. You know what phoneo means? It means set your mind on the same thing. Our mind is not on the color of the carpet or where the organ is. Whether we sing five songs or two songs in the service, it's on getting folks saved. It's seeing the kingdom of God advance. You set your mind on that. Don't worry about the rest of it. Get your mind there. If you're in a church that doesn't have its mind on the great commission and seeing lives transformed, it won't be long before they'll be thinking about the carpet and splitting the church. Be like-minded. Have the same love. You're saying, what do you mean by that? Love for one another as Christ has loved you. Be in one spirit and purpose. What does that mean? It means being one soul. One soul. And then he says something very interesting in verse 12. Everybody look at it. He says, therefore... Everybody say, therefore. Now, he's just given you the picture of Christ, fully God, becoming a slave, emptying himself to minister life to us. And then he says, therefore. Anytime you see a therefore, you always have to ask this question. What is the therefore, therefore? And here's what the therefore is there for. He's saying, because Christ is like this, at Christmas, this is Christmas heart of God revealed in Christ. Therefore, you must be the same. Obedient, humble, walking in agreement. And he says these words. Listen to what he says. Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And you go, what in the world is that? Here's what he's saying. He's saying you're not, you're not going to be saved by your works. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is because of what Christ has done in you, let what he's done in you live out in your life. Work it through your life. Do every, he says, he says, in your relationship with others, live out the salvation Christ has brought you. And part of living it out is to fear God. Everybody say, fear God. There's certain things I will not do. I will not rob God. I have always tithed ever since I was a boy. And I go way beyond the tithe. People are stupid when they determine, well, I don't need to tithe. One day you're going to stand before God. And he's going to say, what did you do with the wealth I gave you? Well, I spent it on myself. Wrong answer. God gave you a building program. 
You know why he gave you a building program? He's testing your faith to see if you're willing to move beyond the natural into the supernatural. When I went to Maui, I was just a normal giver. I gave to missions, I gave to special speakers, and I tithed. But when I went to Maui, and the needs were so great, he moved me into a whole new realm of supernatural giving, way beyond my ability to give. And I'm thankful he did, because I've seen God's hand. God didn't give you a building program so you could tip him. Gave you a building program to build your faith. You fear God. I've had women proposition me in my counseling office. Oh, free sex. Nothing's free. I'm not going to destroy my relationship with my wife and my children and my ministry. For what? For what? These people are so stupid, you want to slap them hard. Trying to figure out, why are they so dumb? How did they get born that dumb? Spend time on the internet watching porn, and it's rearranging their mind. They're being, it's like a drug. I fear God. There's certain things I will not do. I will not lie. Because liars are going to hell. Six, keep in mind, God is at work in us. God's at work in us. Oh, I don't know if you really understand what he just said. When he said, for it is God, verse 13, who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Listen to me. Way before, way before things happened, God already began to work in me to bring it about. And I didn't even know it. tell you story after story. My time is running out. The fourth thing is do everything without complaining and arguing. Oh, I wish he hadn't written that. It feels good to complain once in a while. You know, I mean, it makes you feel like, oh man, I'm the man. See, I see problems nobody else sees. Whoa. I'm going to tell you something. I was arrested by God years ago. Preached on it many times. 1 Corinthians 10.10. You want to hear what it says? And do not grumble, as some of them did, who were killed by the destroying angel. You know who the destroying angel is? He's Abaddon. In the book of Revelation, that's the word Abaddon, means destroyer. He's Abaddon. At the end of, in the book of Revelation, you'll notice the bottomless pit is opened, and Abaddon comes out in the end of time with hordes of demons. Abaddon is filling our nation and our world, causing people to grumble over and over and over again. Every time you grumble, you open a door for Abaddon to destroy you. Why do you think there's families that are destroyed, churches destroyed, businesses destroyed? Paul writes, do everything without complaining and arguing. Finally, the fifth thing. Let's review. What's the first? Come on, help me out. Number. What's the second? Obedient. What's the third? Agreement. What's the fourth? 
everything without complaining and arguing. Come on, help me. Do everything without what? The last one, desire to be blameless so we can be a light in the dark world. Verse 15. Be blameless. Oh, Jesus, help me. Help me. That one, I see my humanity. Sometimes I don't even know how I'm coming off. I don't realize how I'm appearing to others. And I'm, I don't want to appear haughty and proud and arrogant. But sometimes people interpret it that way. I know who I am. Deepest desire in my heart is to be a man of God who is blameless. You gonna work at that one? I want you to think about this for just a moment. If those five things were operating in your life today, how would it affect your family? those five things were operating in your life today, how would it affect your business? How would it affect your church? That's the heart of God at Christmas. When you're opening those presents, that's the heart of God. Oh God, help me. Help me to walk humbly. Help me to walk obedient. Help me to walk in unity. Walk in agreement. Oh, God, help me. Help me, Lord, to do everything without complaining and arguing. Lord, help me. Help me to be blameless. Let your light, you said, let your light so shine among men that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father in heaven. Stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Lift both hands in the air and begin to praise him all over this auditorium. Thank him for Christmas. Thank him for who Jesus is and why he came and how he came. Lord, I praise you and I worship you. And I give you glory and honor and praise. Oh, come on, lift your voice. Lift your voice. Lift your voice. Christmas will never be the same again. It's not about what gifts you get. It's about the gift you've received from Christ. Oh, Lord, I praise you and I thank you and I worship you. Hallelujah. 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 With every head bowed, everyone praying. Jesus came to give you life and life more abundantly. Why would you choose death? Those of you watching by streaming today, the heart of God was revealed at Christmas. He came to give us life. And all he requires of us is our willingness to give our life to him so he can live his life through us. With every head bowed, people praying, you'd say, Pastor Morocco, today I want to give my heart to Jesus. You may be new here. You may have come to church every Sunday, but you're not right with God. 
get right today. You'd say, Pastor, pray for me. If that be you, just slip your hand up, wave it at me. Just wave it at me quickly, 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 quickly. Yes. Are there others? Those of you on the internet, you're in your, you're in your house. You need to get right with God. Get right with him today. Everyone, lift your hands with me all over this auditorium. You in the living room there, lift your hands to the Lord as a sign of surrender to God. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I ask you today, forgive me of my sins. You came and died on a cross for me so I could be forgiven. And you rose again so I could have eternal life. Jesus, come into my life now. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I surrender all that I am to you. And from this moment on, I choose to follow you. I want you to put your hand on your heart right now. Pray this prayer. Lord, give me your heart that was revealed at Christmas. Help me to walk humble before you. Help me to be obedient. Help me to walk in agreement. Hallelujah. Help me not to grumble. Oh, God, help me to be blameless. Lord, I long. Lord, I long to be like you in this world. Help me. You've given me your Holy Spirit. May I yield to his working so that I do not yield to the flesh. Now just lift your hands right now and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. Spirit of the living God, come. Come in power, come in might. Renew and refresh. Renew and refresh. There are some folk here that are struggling in their families. There seems to be a rift in your family. And I want to pray for your family. I want to pray for your family today. If that be you, just lift your hand real high. Wave at me. If you have a rift in your family, it may be in your immediate family or it may be with a broader family, just leave your hand raised. Let me pray for you. In the mighty name of Jesus. I'm asking, Lord, that as each one of these under the sound of my voice begins to operate, begins to operate as you lived in this world, that, Lord, we would see a healing in our families. We would see your presence come to our families. Lives that are lost in our families would be found. Lord, they would come to the knowledge of you. I thank you and I praise you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is, there's, a, there's a number of people here, very strange, and I close with this prayer. You've been suffering from guilt. And it's, yes, there's no question that you did wrong. But what you have forgotten is that your guilt was placed on Christ. And you're not called to carry it anymore. You laid it on him. For some reason, the Holy Ghost arrested me a moment ago and said, you pray. And I don't know who that is or how many of you that is, but your past is limiting you for your future because you're guilty of the past. If that's you, just put your hand on your heart. I'm going to pray for you. Spirit of the living God, I break a de devourer that's devouring their lives by a lying spirit. You foul lying spirit. I command you, loose your hold off their mind. I break this guilt off of them, for it was placed on Christ the moment they believed. 
They are new creations. And I declare it done in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages.